My name is Andrea Bomstead and I am a member at Restore Temecula. If you are new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family that you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help in any way, please visit our website at www.RestoreTemecula.com and click on contact. We also have a mobile app with resources, including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app store. With all of that said, we hope you enjoy the message. Okay, now I'll actually start uh, this message. So is it, is it, is it as wild to anybody else how quickly time seems to be moving? Um, I, I do think something mysterious happened in the universe around the year 2020 where time just began to accelerate in a way that is just, it, I can't wrap my brain around it. And I don't say the universe is in this mystical thing. I just mean like the, the dimension of time it feels like it's, it's speeding up and it's moving really quickly. Like the Advent season is, is it, it's over in like a day or two. When I say Advent, I, Advent means arrival. It's this time where the church, the people of God for, for generation after generation have been, have been celebrating the arrival of the Savior, the arrival of the Messiah, our Lord Jesus. The weeks leading up to Christmas. And in this year's Advent season, I really believe God's kind of highlighted a theme for us as a church. Typically every year we'll do like an Advent series where we'll preach through different topics and different, um, um, different aspects of the coming of Jesus and all of its implications. And this year we didn't really do that, but I still think in the same regard, God started to highlight this theme of light. This theme of light um, in those of you guys that were with us a couple weeks ago, Brad Sarian, who leads Restored Church LA, he came and, and preached what I think is a really profound message um, to our church. I think it's a, a timely word for us. And it's interesting because me, Brad and I were together in Durban, South Africa in September, I believe it was. And we were doing some, um, some work with a sister church there, preaching, some teaching, some equipping and stuff. And, and one of Brad's uh, preaches was that preach. And it smashed me. I, I, I felt so convicted in the best way. And I, and I told him, I said, dude, I, you need to come into Temecula and preach that message. If nothing else, like, it had such a profound effect on me Man, like if it, if, if it has that same effect on just one other person, it'll be worth it. And those of you guys that were with us a couple weeks ago, you heard the message, you heard Brad's preach. I felt like for most of us, it was wildly convicting, incredibly helpful. But this concept of walking in the light, that, 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 that whenever we withhold the truth, which all of us do all the time without even thinking about it sometimes, whether it's embellishing or just bold-faced lies or exaggerating or whatever, that whenever we withhold the truth, we're not walking in the light, we're actually walking in darkness. And it's not the way that Jesus designed for us to, to live as human beings. And so this theme of light, I really feel like God's on this with us. And so we're gonna kind of continue that this morning. 
And it's interesting because like I said, I've heard that message now twice and it's convicted me twice because I think there's still so much that God wants to do in my life. There's still so much, if I'm just candid with you, there's still so much, like I, I still find myself walking in darkness more than I want to. And I'm the pastor, right? I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to be that. No, 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 we all, every single one of us, we need the grace, the mercy, the love, the forgiveness, the guidance, the fathering of God. And he wants to do that with us this morning. And I really, really, really want, I, I want to reiterate this. I think that he's on about this concept of light. I was super proud to hear like so many people in our community confessing sin after that Sunday. Raise your hand if you were here that Sunday, a couple Sundays ago, so many of us. Do you guys remember that feeling of humility over the room and how we talked about that? That's actually a really, really good thing for us. We try to avoid that, but it's in that posture of being humbled before God going like, I'm actually pretty needy. I'm actually pretty broken, but because of who he is, he's gracious, gracious and filled, the, the scriptures say he's rich with mercy, that when we come to God in humility, that he lavishes us with forgiveness and grace and love and it's actually really, really good for us. And it's been so encouraging, like I mentioned, to hear stories of men and women confessing brokenness and sin in their life and experiencing some freedom, forgiveness, and abandoning shame whenever we feel like we want to withhold things. It's, it's shame, and God doesn't want that for us. That's what the gospel of the kingdom of heaven is all about, receiving God's grace, walking in the light, okay? This concept of light, God's on about that with us. And this morning's no different. And it, Light, it's not just limited to Christmas time, although I think it's a huge part. And it's not just limited to like a major theme in the Bible. I actually believe that even our culture around Christmas time, this, this concept of light is something that uh, really gets embraced. Ebony and I, we were in Riverside uh, a couple days ago. And right, have you ever been to like the Mission Inn downtown Riverside? So we're down there because uh, Ebony's cousin, she's a gift to us. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. She gifted our girls with Disney on ice. She wanted to take them to go see Disney on ice, um, which was equally convenient for me and Ebony because it means we got a date night. <laughs> and so she lives up in Riverside. We drop the girls off with her. They go to Disney on ice. We're like, hey, let's go down. To, let's go to downtown. And you know, I know that usually the Mission Inn's got a bunch of cool stuff for Christmas. So every year they do this thing called the Festival of Lights. Has anybody ever been to this? Okay, so if you've never been there, there's all these Christmas lights and all these kind of like light exhibits, if you will. And there's restaurants and bars and vendors and all these people, and it's just this kind of cool thing to do. So me and Eb go and we check out the Festival of Lights. And if you've ever been, you know, they have these, I guess you'd call them kind of like light exhibits. And there's like a dozen or more of them kind of scattered throughout this area. And then you have the Mission Inn that has all these light things set up. And what was really interesting to me was that there was all these people and they were like waiting in line at each of these dozens of light exhibits. And I don't mean like two or three people. I mean, some of these lines, one of these lines was like, I'm not exaggerating, like a hundred people long. And what these people were doing was they were waiting in line, some of them to take photos with the lights. And what was, what was kind of remarkable to me was that the diversity of the people that were in line, it, was, it, was, it wasn't just like young kids wanting to get selfies for Instagram. 
It was all kinds of people. It was young people. It was older people. It was families. It was, it was married couples. It was same-sex couples. It was groups of friends. I mean, it was every kind of person that you could imagine was waiting in these lines to go be, like, to have their chance, their turn to be, like, next to and take photos with these light exhibits, to see them up close. And I, and I thought to myself, I was like, I was like why are they doing this? I mean, you could just admire it from, like, I can see it right here. Why do I have to wait in line to be that close? It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, right? Why was looking at the lights, why was admiring the lights not enough? Why were these people willing to wait in line? I hate waiting in line. Why were they waiting in line to be as close as they could to these lights? That's what I want to talk about this morning because I think there's implications for Christmas. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in my, probably my favorite passage as it pertains to the Christmas story, John chapter one. John chapter one in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, no sweat. The uh, gracious, gracious uh, servant leaders in the back are going to serve us. They'll put the words on the screen for us. John chapter one. Before we read it together, I want to pray and invite God to, to illuminate our minds and our hearts to some of the more beautiful realities in this passage. So will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, I just ask for your help. We can read words and we can talk about things, but without you kind of supernaturally removing the fog in our minds we won't be able to see things clearly. And so we humble ourselves and just ask you would, you, would you help us to see Jesus more clearly this morning? Would you help us to see the love of God more clearly this morning? And would you help us to see his agenda? We love you, teach us, show us, help me. We pray together, amen. Okay, John chapter one, we're gonna read verses one through 14. Very familiar passage, one of my favorites. Let's read it. It says this, in the beginning was the word. Notice that the word there is capitalized, capital W. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay, really quickly, what the author here, the Apostle John, what he's trying to get the reader to understand is that the word that's being talked about here is the second person of what, uh, of what the Bible kind of doesn't refer to the Trinity, but it, it talks about this concept of God as being one God made up of three persons, right? So the second person of the Trinity was with God and was God. So there's this mysterious plurality to describe one God happening here, okay? Second person of the Trinity. So just to break it down, Father, Son, Spirit, will, word, spirit. You see this happening from the very beginning, the very first page of the Bible, okay? And he's specifically talking about that second person of the Trinity, the word, capital word, right? Verse two, he was with God in the beginning, all things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. So what he's doing here is, again, he's referring back to the first page of the Bible, Genesis 1. Do you remember? God created, and what did he say? He goes, God said, what was the first, do you guys remember the first thing that God created? 
Light. What's our theme? Light. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so God creates with what? With his words. I know this is a review for some of you, but there's beauty here. Let's not lose sight of it. So God creates with his words. He said, let there be light. So, so John is referencing God's word that was there in the beginning, and he's saying that God's word wasn't just with God. God's word was God, okay? <clears throat> How many of you know your words matter? Verse four. In him, the second person of the Trinity, God's word, was life. And that life was the what? The light of men. Verse five, that light, here it comes again, that light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There's so much beauty here. I'm not, I'm, I don't have enough time to get into this, but God, first thing he does, he says, let there be light. But before he says, let there be light, do you remember what the, he set the scene? It, there was just darkness. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. He's drawing parallels from, from the first page of the Bible to the, the incoming Christ. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That's John the Baptist, not the author, John the Apostle here. Verse 7, he, John the Baptist, came as a witness to testify about the light. There it is again, light. So that all might believe through his testimony. He, John the Baptist, was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Here's what John the Baptist's testimony was. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He, not John the Baptist, the second person of the Trinity, God's word, he was in the world and the world was created through him. That's bananas. He created it, yet he comes into it. And yet the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people. I'm sorry, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, he's talking about a spiritual birth here, or the will of the flesh, or the will of the man, but the will of God. And here it is. Here's Christmas right here, verse 14. The word, that eternal divine word there at the beginning, became flesh and dwelt among us. That second person of the Trinity entered into his creation. We observed his glory. So he goes, I, we saw it. I'm an eyewitness. I'm telling you, I'm testifying. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. There's Christmas in a nutshell in the first chapter of John. What John's doing here is he's painting a picture for the reader. He's painting a picture for us as we read this, right? That word, that divine eternal word, the second person of the Trinity put on flesh. He created everything and then he enters into his creation by becoming a little vulnerable baby boy. And John uses kind of a metaphor here, but I think it's deeper than a metaphor. He uses light and darkness to describe what happened, right? The divine word, the second person of the Trinity, the light from heaven, it entered into the darkness of the world. How? Through the womb of a virgin, teenage Jewish girl living in Palestine 2,000 years ago. 
You guys know the story, right? Now, writing a, like a Christmas Eve sermon is really challenging, and here's why. Because there's so many roads we can go down. I was talking to some friends this, this week. I'm like, dude, this is a tough one because there's just so many things that we can talk about. What I want to do is I want to I grab three things out of this passage that Christmas helps us see that I really think are going to bless us this morning. Okay, so if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. The world is filled with darkness. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> the world is filled with darkness, okay? Jesus, the light of heaven, comes into the darkness. The world is filled with darkness. You don't need me to tell you this, but that has implications on our valley, has implications on our region, has implications on our state, on our country, on our, on our entire planet. Um, has anybody noticed that like the last couple few weeks, people seem to be more on edge than normal? Am I the only one? I don't know. I kind of know what it is. I've seen more road rage the last two weeks than I've seen maybe in the last 12 months. I've seen like confrontations in parking lots, which are always really exciting. Because you're like, what's going to happen here, right? But I, okay, so I was at Costco. I was at Costco a couple days ago, um, which I don't recommend you do this close to Christmas time. But I'm there, and I'm literally walking into the store, and there's a man, a grown man, in his car, literally like freaking out on this mom and her kids as she's walking her cart trying to cross the street for seemingly no reason. Like, maybe she got close to his car, but she's got her kids and she's just trying to get, and this guy's like freaking out at her. I'm like, what is, what's going on here? And I've just been noticing, it seems like people are on edge. And I was like, God, what is going on? I have a theory. My theory is that I think a lot of folks are really overextended in this season. Um, I think people are really overextended financially. And there's nothing quite like financial stress to just kind of put us over the edge And when a woman in her cart gets close to our car in the parking lot. What are you doing? Like, people just seem to be on edge. People freaking out at other people. That's like another human being. Silly example, but it's darkness. It's not the way it's supposed to be. In November, I was in India visiting some gospel partners and doing some training things. Uh, with Maria. Many of you guys know and love Maria. Maria, courageous woman, reoriented her entire life to help bring the gospel um, to a specific city in India. And while we were there, um, it, it struck the poverty. The poverty is real there. There's significant wealth, and then there's like significant poverty. And when I say poverty, I don't mean, like, it's different than, like, living paycheck to paycheck. I think a lot of people in the West live paycheck to paycheck, and that can be stressful, that can be hard. I'm not trying to diminish that. However, like, it's different when you don't have shoes. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, I remember just, like, seeing it, and there's, the city we were in, in Hyderabad, Hyderabad, almost 11 million people. And so people are just stacked on top of each other and there's so much poverty there. And you just, it can start to kind of wear on you where you're just like, this is wrong. This is rough. And then maybe some of that like kind of Western guilt sets in where you're like, gosh, man, I feel discontent so much. And like when I really compare myself 
like the other way. We get discontent when we compare ourselves with people that are wealthier than us, right? But when we compare ourselves this way, we just go, oh, I have shoes. <laughs> I have multiple taps with clean water in my house. Like, whoa, it's just a different thing, right? Poverty, it's this complex issue. There's several factors to it. But one of the reasons is like large-scale greed. It's not the only contributing factor. But people wanting more resulting in people having less. It's darkness. It's not the way it's supposed to be, and it's not limited to India. There's people in poverty in our city, even in a comfortable suburban area like this. It's darkness. Several people I love are battling serious health issues right now. It's darkness. Their bodies, all of our bodies, are, they're decaying. <laughs> darkness. Many of you lost a loved one recently. Several of us in our community have lost loved ones recently. It's darkness. The looming reality of death. The world's filled with darkness. Some of you have experienced unspeakable trauma in your life at the hands of somebody you trusted, at a source of authority even. Godly authority doesn't operate like worldly authority, friends. Worldly authority has influenced our culture in such a way that we start to believe that authority is like a bad thing. It's a bad word. It's, a, it's dangerous. And oftentimes it is because it's abused. Godly authority is different. Godly authority is service for your benefit. We see that in Jesus, right? But some of you, you you've experienced like real trauma at the hands of people you trusted it's darkness. The world's filled with darkness. Sorry to be a downer with my first point on Christmas Eve. I promise it's getting better. My second point. People, we as people, we do whatever we can to try to escape that darkness. Okay? But here's the thing. We can't. We can't. Um, God has a way of speaking to me in the mountains. I, I don't fully know why. But I, I, I grew up camping in the mountains in the summers, uh, and it was always like a really enjoyable time for me. But I can look back, and even before I like, like actually handed over the lordship of my life to Jesus, I can remember like experiencing God in his creation, and namely in the mountains. And I remember thinking like, like winter would come, and you can't really camp in the mountains in winter unless you're a lunatic. And so like... <clears throat> I would be like, okay, when can summer come so I can camp again? And then recently, many of you guys, some of you guys know this, some close friends introduced me to skiing, which, amongst other things, totally redeemed wintertime in the mountains for me. <laughs> and like I said, God's, I don't, it's wild. I just hear him more clearly in the mountains. I can't really explain it. It just happens. And so I've been on this journey the last year or so of like, I want to learn to ski better because it's so much fun and I just love being in the mountains. And so uh, recently, actually this last week, me and my family, we did a quick little getaway. It's been a busy, hectic season. I've traveled a lot and we just needed some family time, like just shut it down, family time. So uh, we used some, some credit card points, went up to Big Bear for a couple days and spent a couple days just together skiing and stuff. And so one of the days we're at like, you know, the ski resort thing and, 
and we're there and the girls are kind of tired and um, Eb's taking a break too. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to go do a couple laps myself. I'll go do a couple runs myself. So I hop on the ski lift and as I'm going up there, if I'm honest, like I was hoping that no one would ride with me. <laughs> I was kind of like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't know. I'm just here to like, I want to pray. I want to be with Jesus. I want to cruise around the mountains, that kind of thing. And this guy on a snowboard, he cruises up. He's like, you by yourself? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, can I ride with you? And I'm like, yeah. So I'm on this this lift. And I've been on this lift before. It's a run that I've done many times. And I'm like, okay, I know it's only going to be like four or five minutes, you know, unless they stop the the chairlift because someone falls or something. Not from the chairlift, but at the end. (laughs) So that kind of a story. Okay, I promise. So long story short, I'm on the ski lift with this guy who's a stranger, okay? And this guy is high as a kite. (laughs) What I mean by high as a kite is he is, he is, he's been smoking weed all day. Okay, you could see it. His, I could just see it. I'm like, okay, this guy's he's, he's not all there right now. But he starts talking to me. And, not, and like small talk turns into kind of deeper talk. He doesn't know I'm a pastor. He doesn't know anything about me. And he starts telling me about this accident that he had, this crash that he had on his snowboard. He's got hair missing from his skull because they had to do staples and stuff. Like he really hurt himself. And it's like, it's been a struggle for him. And it's interesting because then he starts talking to me about his relational issues with his girlfriend. Things aren't the way he wants them to be and it's a challenge and it's a struggle. And, and he, just, like, he just starts opening up to me about the darkness in his life. The stuff that he's facing. And it dawns on me. This guy is sitting on this ski lift for the exact same reason that I am. Can we just have a little momentary escape from the darkness? Just a little bit of relief from the darkness. Just want to get away from it for just a little bit and pretend like it's not there. Guys, We spend a lot of time and energy and money and effort to escape the darkness. But the truth is we can't. That guy's smoking a lot of weed. He's trying to to snowboard as often as he can. But the injury's still there. Him and his girlfriend are still using each other and it's causing turmoil and strife in his heart. Guy's trying really, really hard, but the darkness is still there. His body's not the same from his crash. Still the relational issues. We do all sorts of things to escape the darkness. (laughs) My new buddy on the ski lift, he smokes weed, he goes snowboarding, He does some other things that I'm not going to share from the front. What about you? What do you do to to try to escape the darkness? It's Christmas time. Maybe it's shopping. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like that whole retail therapy thing, that's real. 
Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's buying stuff. Maybe it's like, I, I've, I'm just always looking for the upgrade. You know, I have a bunch of stuff and it's great, but I, if I can upgrade this, there's always an opportunity to upgrade. Maybe it's not shopping. Maybe it's just entertainment. You know, just not, maybe it's just Netflix or YouTube. YouTube gets me all the time, okay? They suck you through the rabbit hole of that algorithm. Maybe it's social media, right? Just the scroll, just a, just a little bit of dopamine. Let it release a little bit, slowly but surely. Or maybe it's just the, the simple pleasure of overeating or overdrinking. Just a little bit of relief. Or maybe it's literally escaping. Like, I mean, physically getting away, like a trip, travel, getaways, those kinds of things. Like, I just, if I could just escape, if I could get out of here, then I, the darkness isn't going to be over there. Like, uh, I'll confess to you, um, pre-COVID, my travel schedule was, I don't know, fairly steady, and then took a big break because everything kind of stopped in COVID. And it's been, it, this year, it's picked back up again. And this year, specifically the second half of the year, it's been pretty, pretty heavy for me. And to be honest with you, it's been convenient. It's been convenient for me because it's been an opportunity for me to try to escape the darkness that I face in my role. Um, just to be a little bit vulnerable with you, and I don't say this for sympathy. I'm trying, I want to identify. I want us to all be united in this, okay? But hear me, the spiritual oppression that comes with leading a church, you can talk to Herrick about this, you can talk to the staff about this, the, the spiritual oppression that comes from leading a church can get exhausting. Oftentimes it feels like three steps forward and seven steps back. <laughs> and like, honestly, just like the emotional toll it takes, Right? One of the benefits is I get a front row seat in the breakthrough in people's lives. Oh, it's amazing. But I also get a front row seat in the brokenness in people's lives. It's a privilege, but it's pretty painful. Right? And, and say, let's just be candid. Satan's real. He wants to destroy our church. He wants to destroy my family, my marriage. Like, he, he wants to do damage and so the temptation for me sometimes is to escape the darkness. It's just as real for me as it is for anybody, friends. What is it for you? Do you even know? What is it for you? What do you do to try to escape the darkness? A couple of summers ago, me and Ebony, uh, we camped in Kings Canyon. It's a national park in the Sierra Nevada mountains. Beautiful place. It's only, it's only really open a handful of months of the year because for weather stuff. But if you've never been, you should go. And if you go, there's this cavern. I've told this story a little bit before. But there's this cavern called Boyden Cavern. Think massive cave, okay? It's, it's glorious. They only let you in if you go in with like a, like, a, like a guide, like a tour, right? So we're with the forest ranger. We're going through this cavern. And we're going deep into this thing, man. Like... Deep, deep, deep. I mean, we're like we're walking up, around, over, like cry, crawling through crevices, the whole thing. And then you get into this kind of bigger open area. 
And as you can imagine, they have like, they've run electricity in there, so there's lighting and stuff. And they, they bring you into the center of this cavern, deep into the mountain. And then they turn off the lights. And if you've ever experienced anything like this, it's kind of terrifying because you, you hear like silence, like not like noise-canceling headphone silence, like silence. But not only do you hear silence, you experience utter darkness. I've never experienced darkness like that in my entire life. Like it was, it was wild. And I remember... And they do it just for an effect. They let you know they're going to do it. They're not trying to, like, you know, terrorize you. But I remember when they turned off the lights, I remember thinking, like, if these lights don't come back on, it will be literally impossible for us to escape this darkness. Friends, there's darkness all around us. The world is filled with darkness. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much time or money or effort that we put in to try to escape it, the truth is we actually can't escape it. Because that cavern of darkness, it's not just all around us. It's actually in us too. And we forget that. We're way more aware of the darkness around us that other people are contributing than we are to the darkness inside of us. How can a person escape from something that's in them? You can't. We try to escape the darkness in life, but we can't. So here's kind of where I want to go with this. If we can't escape the darkness, even though we like try really hard, we spend a lot of money, a lot of effort, we like try to figure it out. If we can't escape it, even if we try really hard, what do we do? My last point for this morning. All our attempts to escape the darkness fail. So God enters it. That's what Christmas is. That's what it's all about. The the light of heaven invading the darkness of the earth for at least two reasons. For the sake of time, I'm going to give you two. Rescue and reunion. Look at Colossians chapter 1 with me, starting in verse 9. If you've spent any time in the prayer room, this passage comes up often. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's, he's praying for Christians, for people like you and like me. He says this in verse nine, for this reason also, since the day we heard of this, we haven't stopped praying for you. Here's what he's praying for. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Remember this morning I prayed that the spirit of God would kind of remove the fog so we could see things, understand things. That's that's what Paul's praying for here. So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Keep that in your back pocket, fully pleasing to him. Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. That's more than just intellectual knowledge. That's intimacy, knowing him deeply. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. 
joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. Interesting theme. And here it is. Verse 13. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him, in Jesus, in the word becoming flesh, in him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Guys, do you know what it means to be a Christian? To be a Christian, it's more than attending church events. Okay, it's more than reading your Bible. Oh, that's wonderful. It's more than, than, than trying to be a good person. Friends, to be a Christian, it means that you have been rescued from darkness. Have you been rescued from darkness? Or are you still kind of like fumbling your way around that cavern of never-ending darkness inside of you. Kind of like fooling yourself that you can escape it if you just figure out the right path. The truth is we can't escape it. The truth is we gotta be rescued from it. Please hear me. That's Christmas. Christmas is all about the rescue, man. That's why people have joyfully been celebrating this for thousands of years. Christmas is all about the rescue. And maybe you're hearing, you're like, that sounds all nice and cool, but like, how? Cool, I get that like God came, but how does he rescue me from darkness? Practically. Here's how God rescues you from darkness. He captures your heart. He absolutely captures your heart. Um, why does a person sin? We sin because we want to. <laughs> Can we all agree on this? Like no one's twisting your arm like, lie to your, lie to your spouse right now. Like no, like we sin because we want to. Because we believe that it's going to provide something to us that will be, to some degree, pleasurable. Is this true for you? Do you, like, do you see? We sin because we want to, okay? Now, hear me. That sinful desire in every single one of us, it's powerful, man. It's really, really powerful. It's really, really strong. So hear me. Trying really hard not to sin, not to contribute to the darkness, it doesn't work. Because the desire to sin is stronger than the desire not to sin. Are you with me? We gotta understand this concept. People like, you sin because you want to. I sin because I want to. Because our desire to sin is stronger than our desire not to. How does God rescue us from contributing darkness to the darkness? He does it by capturing your heart. Listen to me. The creator of all things, the one who sets the laws of the universe and delivers those laws to people. When we disobey him, when we, when we choose our way over him in his way, it's a rejection of him, that very, stay with me, 
that very same creator God who is resisted and rejected by me and by you is the one who sacrificially leaves the comfort and the comfort of heaven where he's adored and worshiped by angels forever to enter into the darkness. Why? To live the life that you never could. The perfect life. The blameless life. The sinless life as a substitute in your place. But not just his life as a substitute in your place. But he absorbs the wrath that that darkness deserves, that we all want punishment for darkness. When we see the people who abuse children, when we see the, 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 the greedy abuse of power, when we see, we go, yeah, get, put them in jail. Like, get, yes, justice. Punish the darkness. God takes that same punishment, that just punishment on himself. I don't deserve that. I'm the one who resists him. I'm the one contributing to the darkness. And that very same God enters into the darkness to be my substitute, both his perfect life and his death in my place. Listen to me. When you see that, do you know what it, that's the gospel, it's the good news. Do you know what happens to the human heart when they actually see it and they don't just see it they receive it as truth for them. Do you know what happens? Those desires, they get transformed. And the next thing you know, the the sin that I wanted so desperately before, it's gross to me now. I don't, guess what? I want to please and honor my rescuer more than I want that temporary pleasure of the sin. Do you see this? What is happening there? That's almighty God capturing a person's heart. Has he captured your heart? If he hasn't, it's because you haven't seen him clearly yet. But if you do, there's nothing more radiant. There's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing more powerful than the love of God in Christ Jesus. Grace, it's, it's the most powerful force in the universe. Undeserved favor. God rescuing the very person who's sinning against him. Whew, there's nobody like Jesus. God's grace, it, it literally empowers you to do things that you couldn't do before, like say no to sin. Not because you're like a robot, but because you de- your desires are so, so strong, you desire this more than you desire that. Um, that same trip we were in Big Bear with my family, we stayed um, at this like condo complex and there's all these scattered buildings and, and kind of in this one heavenly outpost, there was an outdoor hot tub. <laughs> it's freezing cold everywhere, okay? Especially if you've been skiing, your body's kind of tight and sore. And so each night we would go, we'd walk down in our bathing suits, freezing cold, get inside the hot tub. The second, the last night that we were there, the second night, um, <coughs> excuse me, Ebony and Millie are just kind of tired. They're going to stay back. But my youngest, Vivian, she loves to party. And she's like, she's like, Dad, we're going to the hot tub. And I'm like, babe. All right, let's roll. So we, we go down there, just the two of us. We get in the hot tub. And it's, it's a big hot tub. I mean, it's, and we have it all to ourselves. It was, it was great. It's, I mean, it's large. It's a big hot tub. It probably fit 20, 30 people. It's that big. So we're in this hot tub. And 
we're playing around and just having a good time enjoying each other's company. And Vivian goes, hey, dad, can I carry you? And I'm like, yeah, you can carry me. So I kind of like lay floating and she comes up and she carries me like a, the way a groom carries a bride through the threshold, you know what I mean? So we're in the hot tub and she's literally carrying me around the hot tub. How many of you know, if we weren't in the hot tub, there's no chance my nine-year-old is carrying me around like that. But when she's in the hot tub, she can. Please hear me. When you're stuck in the domain of darkness, you can't say no to sin. Your desires are too strong. But when God captures the human heart with his grace and his love and his mercy and his forgiveness and his beauty, a transfer takes place into a new environment where you can do things that you could never do before. Like say no to sin because you want this way more than you want that. You with me? How does God do it? How does he rescue he rescues by capturing your heart. Have you ca- has he captured your heart? Every Christmas, it's a reminder of the lengths that God has gone to to rescue people living in darkness, trying really hard to escape it when we actually can't because we need to be rescued. When a person is in Christ, just like when Vivian was in the hot tub, you can do things that you could never do before because a transformation has taken place. You've been transferred and parts of you are being transformed. That's the rescue. He rescues us by capturing our heart with his love. So, Do you realize how loved you are, friend? Not just the people sitting around you, not other people, I'm not meaning you. Do you realize how loved you are? Christmas, it's it's God. He's entering into the darkness. And I told you he did it for two reasons, at least two reasons, right? Rescue and finally reunion. Um, The definition of reunion, I'm almost done. The definition of reunion is this. Reunion is an instance of two or more people coming together again after a period of separation. So do you see it? Do you see the reunion taking place? Darkness is the absence of light, right? So so whenever we choose the darkness, my way over his way, my way over other others, Whenever we choose the darkness, we're literally choosing to separate ourselves from the light. Now, here's the thing. Real talk. The Bible's really clear. (laughs) The Bible says that, that, that God is going to condemn the darkness. Like he's going to pour out his holy wrath on the darkness. But before he does... 
before he pours out his just and holy wrath to destroy the darkness, he enters it. He enters it in order to rescue sinners like me and to reunite those who have separated themselves from him. Do you see it? Look back at verse 11 in John chapter one. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. They chose the darkness. And here is verse 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. Verse 12. Verse 12, it explains a glorious reunion here, okay? Where those in darkness aren't just rescued and transferred into the light, they're embraced as children of God. So it's not like, ah, I care about those people, I tolerate them, I'll rescue them, bring them over into the light where they can say no to sin, they can stop saying yes to sin, say yes to God, right? It's deeper than that. They're not just rescued. They're embraced as children of God. It's a child reunited with their heavenly father. You ever seen those YouTube videos where like dads come home from war and their kids are just like, ah! They jump into their arms. You want to weep as a grown man? You watch those YouTube videos. And there's a reason. Why does that get us choked up? Why? It gets us choked up because there's something deep inside of us that longs for that. You were made to be in the arms of your heavenly father. And even though we choose to separate ourselves from him, he, like a freaking soldier, man, he invades the darkness to rescue us and reunite us with himself. Even at the cost of his own blood. child with their heavenly father, friends. That's what the story of Christmas is all about. It's way more than just presents and lights and trees and and, and getting really busy. (laughs) It's a father rescuing and reuniting his beloved child. And here's what's absolutely stunning to me. What's absolutely stunning is that you are the child in the story. And what's equally stunning is that the story is true. It's not a fable. It really happened. John goes, I saw it. I saw the glory. I witnessed it. It's true for me. And it's true for you. If you receive it. The word really became flesh to rescue and reunite you to himself. Okay, I'm gonna call the band up. We're gonna close here. Um, If you're on the prayer team this morning, would you make your way to the front? Thank you, guys. So that festival of lights, all those people in Riverside and downtown Riverside waiting in line. They're waiting in line to get as close as they could to the lights. But there was other people. 
There was other people, they were just content admiring the lights from a distance. They didn't feel the need to get close. They were totally content admiring the lights from a distance. Now listen, I think this is a prophetic picture for some of us in the room. I think some of us in the room, we've grown content with admiring the light from a distance. Some of you, you're familiar with Jesus. You know some things about him. Some of you, you hang out with Christians, right? Some of you, you appreciate the church. Like you actually really, and I said the church, I mean the people. Like you actually really appreciate the church. Some of you, you even know about the gospel, the good news of what I just explained to you, that God put on flesh in the person of Jesus and lived the perfect life as our substitute and the death that we deserve as our substitute so that we can be reconciled, reunited. Some of you, you even know about the gospel. But no matter how hard you try, no matter how much money and effort you spend, you just can't seem to escape the darkness. And you, like I said, you spend a lot of time and energy trying to figure out the equation. Like, if I just get out of town this much, if I just can like get some time away, if I could just have two or three beers, if I could just like whatever it is, like you're trying to figure out the equation to escape the darkness and you just can't seem to do it. Some of us, we've grown content with admiring the light from a distance, but we're still kind of stuck in the darkness and we can't escape it. Please hear me. Let me just encourage you with the good news of Christmas, man. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Christmas is about the light coming to you. Right where you're at, in the mess, in the brokenness, in the darkness, the darkness that you contribute and the darkness that other people contribute. Christmas is about the light coming to you, to rescue you and to reunite you with your heavenly father. It's God giving you and I the free gift of grace over and over and over and over again. I was talking to Sonny today and he goes, every day is Christmas. I'm like, yep, every day, over and over and over and over again. Rescue and reunion, it's a gift. Hear me, you can receive it or you can resist and reject it and be stranded in the darkness, working really hard trying to escape it. But you can't. Tomorrow morning, no doubt, the vast majority, if not all of us tomorrow morning are gonna experience the joy of giving and receiving of gifts, opening it, seeing kids light up. And how, how awesome is that, by the way? It's one of the best things ever. No doubt, most of us, if not all of us, are gonna experience that to one degree or another tomorrow morning. How many of you know there's a difference between unwrapping a gift and enjoying it? Some of you, you unwrapped the, gr- the gift of Christmas maybe even like a long time ago. But it's been a while since you actually enjoyed it. The reality of the love of God for you. My prayer for each one of us is that we would receive and enjoy the gift of Christmas, of God, Him, Him rescuing us and reuniting us with Himself. 
Because in the midst of darkness, <laughs> there's like a heavenly hot tub that we can enjoy. The peace, the hope in the midst of the darkness until one day Jesus returns and fully, completely destroys the darkness to where all that's left is light. In the meantime, we can live a life of receiving his grace and love and mercy, of walking in the light in the midst of a dark world. That's Christmas. Let me pray for us. Waiting just a moment. Holy Spirit, I feel like there's more that you want to say. I invite you to speak to every heart right now. I feel like the Spirit's saying that some of you are resisting peace because you don't you feel like you don't deserve it. It's true you don't deserve it. But God, the highest authority, says you're worth it. You're worthy of it. You can be worthy because He says you are without deserving it. Receive. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you said yes to the will of the Father. Spirit, thank you that you empowered the divine word of God to take on flesh and to live perfectly in our place and to go to the cross, absorbing the full wrath for every single one of our choices of darkness, us choosing darkness past, our choosing darkness present, our choosing darkness future, all of it paid for. Thank you. I pray that you'd help us see the depths of the love that you have for us. And I pray that, that Christmas would really be a season where we can not just unwrap the gift of your love, but enjoy it. I love you. And I pray these things in your holy and beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so friends, for the next 15 minutes, we're going to spend a time of like reflecting and responding to the love of God. Here's how that's gonna work. The band is gonna lead us in song. This is an opportunity. It, it's more than just singing, although it involves singing. It's about praise. It's about expressing gratitude in ways that God invites us to, in ways that you were designed to. You have a voice for a reason. And so we're gonna fill this room with praise. I wanna encourage you to respond to God's love for you by delivering him praise, gratitude, thankfulness in your heart to him. And there's also gonna be an opportunity for people that just need some care. Maybe you're in a season where you're recognizing like, man, I'm working overtime trying to escape the darkness instead of receiving the rescue that God's provided for me. Maybe it's a big thing. Maybe it's a small thing. Maybe you just feel stuck. Maybe you need guidance. Maybe you need insight. There's trusted men and women up in the front that would love to pray for you. You can come forward at any time in the next 15 minutes. Receive prayer. They'll take you off to the side so you have some privacy. But we're gonna fill this room with praise. We're gonna press into God for the things that he wants to do in us. And let him father you. Let him guide you because that's his desire. He's filled with love and compassion, rich in mercy. And then Herrick will close us here in a bit, okay? Love you guys very much. Merry Christmas.